Hi there, welcome to the Tech Means Business Podcast. This is a series of podcasts in which I talk to interesting folk from that particular space where the worlds of business and technology come together. In 2023, the world of the data center is ever-present, really, in all our lives. On the show today, we have representatives from AMD and Dell. Pete Chambers from AMD and Chris Kelly from Dell. Welcome to the show, guys. We'll be talking in this episode about data center security, both hardware and software, and the ways that the data center providers and the providers of the hardware inside those DCs can make data center users and end users more safe and secure from bad actors in a cybersecurity sense. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Let's go in alphabetical order, I guess. Pete Chambers from AMD. Would you give us, please, a brief autobiography uh, about how you ended up at AMD and your life in tech to date? Yeah, thanks, Joe, and thanks for inviting us to join. Been at AMD for 12 years. My current role is Managing Director of the Sales Organization for APAC, so covering sort of ASEAN, Korea, Japan, and ANZ, uh, and uh, covering all verticals, so cover commercial, consumer, component, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time in the tech industry. Thanks, Pete. And Chris Kelly from Dell. What's your job title, Chris? Current title is Senior Vice President uh, for Asia Pacific and Japan of the Data Center Solutions Business. I got the opportunity to work with an amazing group of, of senior technical and, and sales executives that really bring together a deep subject matter expertise and hands-on experience related to what we're talking about today, core technology trends and their application in, in business situations and, and use cases so that ultimately, I guess, we can help our customers uh, and partners deliver those uh, superior commercial outcomes for their business. And Chris, staying with you for the moment, obviously I'm sat here in the UK. Uh, the company is based in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur. But for our listeners all around the world, what's the threat landscape like at the moment in the Asia-Pacific and Japan region, from your point of view um, as someone who's on the ground? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I was made aware of a report recently that declared that APJ is now the most targeted region by cyber criminals. Um, and this is the first time that APJ has been in, in this situation uh, since they've been keeping records on this matter. And so, you know, that, that, that's something that, that means it is top of mind for everyone in the region. I think it's also really applicable for, for businesses, small and large, and, and feedback that we're getting from CIOs and C-suite more broadly is that this is absolutely front and centre at board level discussions as well. And so you see a lot of governments and regulators have responded with, with new legislation and, and mandates that require, I guess I'd call it increased preventative measures to be taken. Um, and now this is the right thing to do, no question. But at the same time, this does result in an extra burden being placed on the businesses in the region to comply with these requirements, uh, whilst also trying to remain, you know, agile and, and, and hold a competitive advantage in their market. You know, th that's a big part of what we're hearing. Security is a top priority, and in some cases, it is the top priority, and that, that businesses in many cases are struggling to stay on top of things, stay on top of the, the changing regulatory requirements, uh, but also stay ahead of the bad guys, quite frankly. 
it, it's not hypothetical. It's a very real situation, and the damages are very real, either either financial penalties or massive brand and reputational damage. And Chris, do you give different advice to maybe small or larger businesses? And are there different techniques maybe in software and hardware? Obviously, with hardware, we can bring Pete in. But uh, Chris, tell us uh, first a bit about those different approaches. It is very much case by case. Um, You you need to treat each customer and and their environment with a level of uniqueness, right? And, And part of that is tied to the, the breadth and scale of the, the company's IT operations. Part of it is tied to how, how advanced they are and, and how complex their systems are. Um, how, how many clouds are they operating across? You know, how far out into the edge are they penetrating? Things like that are obviously going to, to shape our strategy with, with clients in, in that regard. You know, the reality is that as cyber threats and attacks become more nefarious and widespread, the businesses, no matter what size or, or their industry, they, they do need to change the way that they approach security to be more comprehensive. With our PowerEdge survey infrastructure, for example, we, we try to take cyber resilience to that next level by having it built in from the ground up, not as an afterthought or a bolt-on, um, and, and enabling organisations to really secure that, that invaluable data and in their critical infrastructure right from the ground up um, through design, manufacturing, production, and retirement of the products, um, our, our security development lifecycle and cyber resilient architectures help to protect, detect, and recover from threats. Um, and so that, that's sort of one of the key pillars for us. Uh, a hardened server is a crucial part of the, the larger cyber resilience architecture and designing a, a server such that it is able to resist and mitigate cyber attacks um, effectively from the get-go. Um, By hardening it, you secure against some of these potential security threats and minimise the attack surface um, through inbuilt security controls, memory encryption and and on-chip hardening, et cetera. And then, yeah, software certainly comes into play. We need to work in tandem with existing antivirus software, firewalls, um, to provide those additional layers of security, uh, monitor endpoint activities, uh, detect and respond to advanced threats uh, that may be missed by traditional security approaches. And Pete Chambers from AMD, perhaps you could dive into the particular area of hardware hardening uh, for us. A few of the things that are bubbling around in the tech press at the moment might be uh, encrypted memory, uh, encrypted bus traffic um, across printed circuit boards, things like that. Could you explain perhaps to a layperson some of those ways that uh, chips and hardware can be designed and built so that they are, or rather their nature, makes them more difficult to compromise. No, absolutely, Joe. And for, you know, from an AMD standpoint, um, security is incredibly important to us and certainly an area that we continue to innovate and certainly we have to innovate to stay ahead of uh, those nefarious folks that, that Chris was referring to earlier. Um, so for us, um, it's very important that we build in a number of security uh, factors into the silicon itself and allow our hardware partners and our software vendors to leverage that. So, for example, uh, you mentioned memory. We have secure encrypted virtualization um, that encrypts the memory uh, and ensures that each virtual machine um, is individually encrypted. Now, I know that sounds quite technical, but it means that you know when you're using multiple different um, virtualized machines on a server, 
each individual uh, virtualized machine has its own individual encryption that's managed back through the CPU. Uh, we also have um, some technology called Secure Boot, and that basically ensures um, that there's a root of trust between the CPU and the BIOS on boot up, uh, and that certainly helps to prevent uh, malware and firmware infecting the bootloader. So there's a number of things that we do at a hardware level to ensure that we're making the products as secure as they can be. But Chris, is there ever going to be a way around the element of human error in cybersecurity? Obviously, we're all human and we all make mistakes. Um, if you ask a cybersecurity expert, however, the weakest link uh, in any chain, he or she will tell you is always going to be a person. So is there any way round uh, of the issue of, for instance, users using weak passwords or sharing usernames and passwords? It's tough, right? I mean, just because of exactly the way you described it. I mean, um, whether you, you take things as, as an individual that take things for granted around the actual, the reality of the risk, laziness with passwords, sharing passwords, things like that. Um, I, I, I think that's going to be prevalent for a while. I think there's a big part of what we're trying to do is, is build it into the technology, but also build out some education and awareness and, and um, understanding of the realities of the situation. I mean, we, we've done a survey of multiple thousands of decision makers just to understand, you know, what their perception of the threat is. Uh, the the study revealed that you know nearly seventy percent of respondents think that their employees are the weakest link, like you described, and they've not substantially improved their security awareness or behaviours, even after hearing about some of the high-profile attacks that we've seen in our region of late. And so that, that's probably a bit of a, a red flag right there. If, the, if these high-profile attacks are not going to get people to change behaviours, then what will? Highlights the fact that it, it really, in some respects, needs to be seen as, as a team sport, right, as it, particularly as it gets more complicated. Everyone has to play a part in advancing the, the efforts to, to make our, our digital world safer, um, organisations more secure, vendors such as ourselves and, and with partners like AMD, but also working in, in collaboration with, with our customers. In one case, in India, we've, we've partnered with the government of Karnataka to help promote and build a safe and secure digital environment for students, for startups and for the government and other stakeholders in that state. So we're a key part of that program and, and, and something that, that, you know, we're continuing to do in other locations such as Singapore uh, as well. And so education and awareness is a huge part of it. But I'll also call out that we've got to try to do what we can as a vendor, as a provider of technology. And so our PowerEdge servers use this immutable silicon-based root of trust to cryptographically attest to the integrity of the BIOS and, and um, integrated Dell remote access control of firmware. And, and what that really means is that, that this root of trust is based on a, a one-time programmable read-only public keys that protect against some of that malware tampering. Um, and as far as getting around John Doe's lax password management, we also offer a, a multi-factor authentication using RSA Secure ID, which also uh, has integrations with the, the Active Directory, LDAP integration, and single sign-on. Uh, with role-based access. So I know a lot of sort of acronyms and things thrown out there, but I guess the, the, the takeaway would be awareness, education, enablement, partnerships, but then we've got to build it in from the, the, the motherboard up and, and the chipset upwards, if you like, 
um, working really closely with, with partners like AMD to do that. So, Pete, tell us a bit about AMD's policies here. Is it incumbent on you as a hardware creator, a hardware vendor, to provide individuals and institutions with more secure systems? Or is it really up to those individual users and individual companies to educate their staff and their employees? What's your opinion? I think it's a partnership, right? Um, I don't think one person can take all the responsibility. We need to work together in a unified fashion. Um, we talk about, you know, the, the password thing. The other thing that happens a lot is phishing attacks, right? So not necessarily they crack your password, but people email in and, and things like that and, and, and create uh, phishing attacks and people click through and then, you know, uh, uh, inadvertently provide access to the system without even giving up their password. And so, I mean, I, I speak from a number of companies' perspectives. I see them running internally fake phishing attacks. So they send out these emails from the IT department um, and they try and get you to click make it look authentic and make you, you know, click through and then it pops up and says, hey, uh, this is a fake attack or, you know, the right thing is to, is to report it. And, uh, you know, so they, they, there's companies that are actively, you know, testing and training their people through real-time testing through, fish, you know, fake phishing attacks to try and get their mindset around the fact that there are nefarious folks out there that are, uh, are trying to gain access to their systems. From a hardware standpoint, you know, we talked a little bit before around servers. Uh, we do a lot around notebooks as well. And certainly, you know, there's a, a notebook stolen every 53 seconds. Uh, in most instances, those notebooks have been left in standby mode, so they're still powered on. Uh, and then they're susceptible to a cold boot attack. Uh, and what that means is, is if the memory is not encrypted, again, a nefarious player can get access to the keys on the memory in the RAM and then ultimately get access, even if the drive's encrypted, can still get access uh, through those keys. So... Um, we also, the same technology we're using uh, for our servers in the cloud, uh, we, we offer that same technology to our commercial notebook customers as well with Memory Guard, where the memory is securely encrypted. So if someone does get access to the notebook, accessing those encryption keys on the, in the RAM is, is obviously significantly harder. And if there's uh, people out there who are listening, for instance, who want to learn more about Dell's security offerings in both hardware and software, and also similarly about AMDs. Um, well, let's talk about Dells first of all. Chris, are you guys um, appearing um, in real life, that crazy thing, uh, at any events or expos coming up? Novel concept, isn't it, face-to-face? -face. Yeah, look, first, um, I'd always encourage um, any of our customers to, to try and uh, take an opportunity to visit one of our EBCs, the, the executive briefing centres that we have around the APJ region, where they will have a chance to get hands-on with, with proof of concepts, demos, workshops, et cetera, to gain a, a deeper level of insight around any IT-related opportunity. And security is definitely a part of that. Once a year, we have our Dell Technologies World held in salubrious location in Las Vegas um, that's coming up in May, later May this year. And so there will be a lot unveiled at that session if anyone has a chance to travel to Vegas. And Pete, what about AMD, um, if people want to come and meet you guys? Yeah, for sure. You know, anytime online, amd.com, there's a lot of information there. There's a lot of case studies um, where we can share and show, you know, customer, specific customer examples of where we have helped from a security standpoint, from a, a total cost of ownership standpoint, from an energy efficiency standpoint. So there's lots to learn. 
uh, and all that's available at amd.com. Well, thank you both very much. There'll be links to the Vegas event in the show notes, and I'll also include uh, some links to relevant pages on the Dell and the AMD websites. And thank you to both my guests today, Pete Chambers of AMD and Chris Kelly of Dell. Thanks both for being on the Tech Means Business podcast. Thanks for having us, Joe. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, as well, for joining me today. It's been really interesting to talk about data centers, security in them, and the security of the hardware that runs inside many of the world's data centers. Great to have a couple of big names on the show, too. I hope you can join me next time on the Tech Means Business Podcast. Bye for now. 